Alright, you white motherfuckers. All eyes on me. This is the Average Years Podcast. <clears throat> Testing one, two, one, two, one, two. Welcome back to the Average Years Podcast. This is Mr. Fox, the star, producer, and the curator of this here podcast, aka Take It or Leave It, aka John Ham's athletic supporter. So, I hope y'all have been enjoying the weekend. It's so it's such a great feeling to have an additional day off from work. Sorry if you're still working in retail. And you had to work today. Um, but here we are. <laughs> so if this is your first time listening to the I Refuse podcast, we're doing things a little bit differently this season where we're having, we're trying out segments. You know, housekeeping items. America has a problem. Come outside, we won't jump you. And then a little story time by from yours truly. So, a couple of things want to get out the way. Um, over the weekend, we got news that Richard Belzer from Law & Order Special Victims Unit has passed away. So, for those of us that have African American parents... We, our childhood has consisted of two things, (laughs) or our existence has consisted of two things, that's soap operas and fucking law and order, you know, it was homicide, life on the streets, which ran for like 40 fucking years, then it was the original law and order, then it was Law and Order Special Victims Unit. And Special Victims Unit, when that first came on, I think I was in high school. And that shit is still on. Richard Bowser was the short white guy that always had the shades on. The comedic delivery had a couple of one-liners here and there. I guess he was the comic relief of the show, kind of lighten things up a little bit, but not distractingly so. So, he passed away. I know my mother, who is black, is in shambles probably right now. You know, outside of NYPD Blue and CSI Miami and David Caruso... Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Richard Bowser was a was our boy. Um, so yeah, he'll be missed. Daddy Maloney made his post on Twitter. Mariska made her post. A very huge loss for them over there in Dick Wolf Wolfland. On a more positive note. Uh, recently, Ice-T got his star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, upon which Mariska Hargitay was there, said her piece. Here's the thing. 
for those of you that are around my age and you know television has been a major part of your life this this is a big deal but it's also kind of funny because ice tea has literally played the same character for almost 40 years like y'all weren't outside when he literally played the same character from New York Undercover and New Jack City and parlay that to that into a career. Think about it. In his entire existence on Law and Order Special Victims Unit, he has the same delivery, the same expression when delivering a line just the same there isn't like sadness there isn't much anger he moves his eyes or makes a certain face a little bit but there's no emotion in the, in his voice <laughs> whether a kid got shot or it was raining outside or you know stabler is acting acting up or the captain said something that the office didn't like ice T's delivery the look on ice T's face never changes but he got a Holly he got a start in the Hollywood Walk of Fame I love that for him you know not for nothing you know ice T hello cool J Queen Latifah and Will Smith and Ice Cube have successfully parlayed their music career, the rap career, the image into movies and films like Blasting Long. So, y'all, this is also another example of how certain generations weren't outside. A lot of y'all are familiar with Ice-T, mostly from Law & Order Special Victims Unit. But y'all weren't outside when this man was a real-life pimp, a real-life OG in California in the 80s, well into the 90s, had a whole rap career alongside, like, Sugar Free and I think Supercent and E40 Too Short, like a lot of these guys that had all this music never got much radio play therefore it never got the reference or the acclaim and this is like pre-Death Row pre-Snoop Dogg pre-Tupac but they were about that life, which I think also intimidated people back in the day from radio. So, in addition to that, for those of us that had HBO back in the day, and I've talked about it on the I Refuse podcast many a times, there was a time in the early 90s, you know, after New York Undercover, after New Jack City, that... Ice-T brought to cable television 
after a particular hour on HBO, the pimp lifestyle. He had HBO had him narrating, not only narrating two documentaries about hookers down on Brewers Point, a classic, but also Pimps Up and Hose Down. And in Pimps Up, Hose Down, he is not only doing the voiceover, the narration, and directing this whole production, he is also in it, driving around in a pimp car, dressed in pimp attire, going to pimp events, really into the pimp lifestyle, and it was like, this is not scripted, this is not a Hollywood production, like, there is a whole community out here, I don't know if it's as active now, but they have, like, pimp conventions, and they rent out halls and juke joints and you know building space to have these conventions where other pimps from other boroughs and other cities across the country come in their oversized hats and their jewelry and six or seven hoes and it's a whole ballroom of these dudes who have been pimping since the 60s and the 70s. And you, and I'm sitting there as like a 13-year-old, like stunned, like, wow, this is, this is real life. And they have players' balls, they have roasting festivities, you know, player, player haters. That Dave Chappelle skit about the player haters convention and the player haters, that's a real thing. Funny as hell, and Ice-T was part of that as well. So, like I was saying a couple days ago, I'm glad that I existed living and breathing at the same time same place in life with actors that were rappers that were pimps that had that made money and came up not so much like selling drugs but made their money pimping hoes in that I got to actually sit here and watch that in documentaries because I thought you know prior to that ignorant of it didn't thought Superfly was just a movie but it's actually a lifestyle and on the flip side of that it's like I, I get both sides like it's very easy for people that are not of it um, to make, you know, judgments and just like that with anything else, 
just make their judgments and come down harshly on people on some moral or ethical thing. And it's like the reason why you can say that morals or whatever is because you can afford to have them. Different strokes for different folks. Nobody is... Anybody that's there is not somebody that doesn't want to be. Anybody that is part of that lifestyle is not there by force. You know, these days it's it's a it's a thing that's gatekeeped. But we can't not acknowledge the history and the down the trenches era of anything that occurred before that led to where we are now. See, a lot of people didn't know that about Ice T. But we here at the IRFUSE podcast, lovers of all things ratchet, lovers of all things hip hop, urban, down living, seeing that shit in real time, and experiencing that courtesy of cable television. Miss those days. Like I've said probably like two months ago on an episode how I finally got around to subscribing to HBO Max and come to find out they don't have any of the America Undercover series on there and HBO Max needs to get on that. Anybody that's within an earshot of my voice, I implore y'all to go listen to Ice-T's music. It's so wild and so real and so vivid. You know, a lot of people don't revere or even acknowledge West Coast music, but (laughs) the storytelling, the storytelling. And I'm not saying just Tupac and Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre, like y'all act like they're the only three. Tupac isn't even from the West Coast. I'm talking about Too Short, DJ Quick, E-40, Scarface, The Ghetto Boys, um, Sugar Free, Ice-T, Supercent. I just named about six or seven other dudes outside of Death Row. Moving right along. Two more housekeeping items. Congratulations to SZA. Her sophomore album remains at the top of the chart. Now, nine weeks in. Breaking a seven-year record. I would like for her and that album to clear at the next Grammys. Final housekeeping item. Shout out to Jalen Smith for making history as the youngest black person to be elected to a major political position. Not too long after graduating from high school last year, he was elected governor of Earl, Kansas, Arkansas, Arkansas, Earl, Arkansas, roughly 2,000 to 2,500 citizens. They bought into his inspiring and positive 
campaign. Dude is only 18 years old. And I love that. <clears throat> now let's get into the meat and potatoes. Here at the I Refuse podcast. America. America has a problem. Bitch. The state versus Alec Baldwin. Now. I didn't get on the Alec Baldwin train. The story around the Rush shooting. Right away. Because I was like. I already know where what this is really about it's not even about Alec Baldwin it's not even about law like a lot of y'all out here are really showing y'all slip but before I continue on that point let me get with get y'all up to date with what's happened recently so Alec Baldwin was initially charged with involuntary manslaughter in an on-site accident that occurred during the production of Rust that led to the firing of a gun that led to the death of Helena Hutchins, which I believe this happened roughly two years ago. At some point, the district attorney added the gun enhancement charge, which states using a gun to commit a crime. Here's where the district attorney fuck things up so the gag is new mexico where the film was being produced provided that the charge would only apply if the gun was being brandished meaning the gun displayed in a manner to intend to intend or intimidate or injure a person with the intent to intimidate or injure a person which was not the case the district attorney felt Alec could be charged with the recent amendment that doesn't require brandishing. Again, the gag is the law was not enacted until seven months after the shooting. See how they try to be revisionist and change history? It's because of this revelation that his lawyers were able to get it dropped. The charge was also dropped against the armorer hired for the movie, Hannah Gutierrez-Reed. Now, as much as y'all think having an opinion is of high value, it holds no light to the law. There's no way getting around it. I mentioned on an earlier episode that this witch hunt for Alex Blood is personal and is very telling more of the folks that are of the opinion that, oh, well, he should have known better and isn't he the producer and yada, yada, yada. People outside the club that can't even get in. It's clear that a lot of people, and here's the, the slip that people are showing, that like this is one of those things where people are in their own kind of way through their opinions telling the rest of us that they're followers of 45 because what, think of the last five or ten years when it comes to Alec Baldwin, right? Like, he's, he does, he's done movies, you know, he did, you know, 30 Rock, um, lengthy career. Now, think of one notable thing that he's more recognizable for. Outside of movies, 30 Rock outside of you know the image of a guy that's combustible with temper and anger issues you know a lot of people now 
the angry voicemail thing with the daughter is in a distant memory. Now, at this point, you should probably arrive to the long list of Trump characterizations, parodies, impersonations he has done that have been on the nose. And couple that with how highly a lot of people from the swamps (laughs) have revered 45 during the campaign when he got the seats from the podium as the president even during the next election where people were saying Biden and Kamala stole the election or they're stealing it and it's like people with the dirtiest hands try to say other people's hands are dirty in defense of 45 a man that people with popcorn ceilings and push up tile ceilings in their bathrooms and they still have those frosted sliding um, faux glass shower doors and they still have shag carpeting and wood paneling revering 45 as the hope of the country when in actuality they're really telling us they don't want foreigners in the country and you know a lot of us are bringing the value of the country down their their fears they're weaponizing their tears into this narrative that we're bringing the country down and the country's cleaner and greater and more pristine and it's only white people in the country like we aren't all familiar with history right like this country consists solely of foreigners like the only natives of this country true natives are Native Americans now do we want to get into that history lesson not the sanitized version that they taught y'all in high school like the real history lesson do you want to unpack that like certifiable accurate whole truths Moving right along. America, America has a problem. <clears throat> I was so looking forward to this, this story, because Mr. Fox is a music lover. 
many genres, of course, but again, y'all weren't outside when this was a thing in real time. Y'all want to jump on the tail end, get on this bird app that's constantly a dumpster fire because of y'all. So, Pink, Christina Aguilera, like them both. I will always lean more towards Pink. Um, I feel like her and I are more, more like on the same wavelength. Anyway, Pink was recently asked by about the Lady Marmalade era while being interviewed by BuzzFeed. You know, Pink has a new album out, so of course in the media run you know she does interviews because you know she's pink she ranked the production of the music video as her least favorite time and the music video itself being her least favorite music video to make stating that it was a lot of fuss and there were some personalities Kim and Maya were nice though she said so Here's where you half us need to go out instead go out and fly a kite, build a sand castle, touch some grass. And this kind of thing is cyclical in nature where it's just like Y'all want something to be there that isn't. And y'all love the truth, but y'all can't be honest with yourselves. So, for those of you that were not outside, you know, y'all born after 1995 or 1998. Lady Marmalade, classic song, originally performed by LaBelle. Lead singer Pai LaBelle, joined by Nona Hendrix and Sarah Dash. Amazing song, right? So, in 2000-2001, Missy Elliott and, I believe, The Rockwilder decided they were going to produce a remake of the song, Solely for the support of the Nicole Kidman movie, Moulin Rouge. The soundtrack itself is actually pretty good. Um, So, the big song from that soundtrack was the Lady Marmalade remake with Maya, Christina Aguilera, Pink, and my personal favorite, Little Kim. Big song. Won a Grammy. They did like multiple live performances of it. They did one at the 2002 Grammys, I believe, with Patti LaBelle coming out at the end. So, the last five or six years, you know, it Pink and Christina Aguilera individually, maybe even longer than five years, have been asked. Always 
been asked about Lady Marmalade, what was it like, yada, 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 yada. So, years ago, and I believe a behind the music that Pink did, she mentioned that it started with a meeting. Label executive Ron Fair walked in. You know, Ron Fair has this reputation of being a taskmaster and was very pivotal, instrumental in Christina Aguilera's early part of her career, right? Walked into the meeting room where I believe Maya, Pink, and Little Kim were. He didn't say hi, Pink said, to any of us and said, what's the high part? What's the most singing part? Christina Aguilera is going to take that part. Pink claimed this in her 2009 Behind the Music special. I remember watching that. So she says, I stood up and I said, hi, how are you? So nice of you to introduce yourself. I'm Pink. She will not be taking that part. And I think that's what the fucking meeting is about. So at some point in 2017, during one of numerous Watch What Happens live appearances, with Andy Cohen, Pink alleged that Aguilera swung her in a club. She said, we were super young, super new at the whole fame thing. I think I'm an alpha, she's an alpha, and I'm used to taking my altercations physical, and she's used to having them verbal. We just are very different. She's so talented and deep down, I've had bad days too. She's a really sweet person. We've made up on The Voice. I haven't seen her in years and years and years. We became moms, we grew up, we hugged it out. It's that simple. I feel so good about that. Christina Aguilera has denied that physical altercation. However, alleging Andy Cohen in 2019 that Pink could be my ass. I believe it. She said, I've seen the Behind the Music special. I know she's had some feelings or whatever about how the recording of Lady Marmalade went down and all that. I know during the actual video, she intimidated me a lot because she was heckling me in the audience behind the director. And I was like, what's going on? Here's the thing. If I'm asked a question about something, I'm going to, being the Virgo that I am, just like Pink is, I'm going to be honest about it. Y'all thirsty palette sleeping rottweilers that get on the bird app and try to consider it shade okay y'all weren't outside when jessica simpson had her had her christina aguilar experience she said jessica simpson released a memoir i don't know how many y'all even knew that it was out But most of that memoir consists of those early years, right? She said in the memoir that when she was in her dressing room and she was about to come out of the dressing room, she was told she had to stay in her dressing room, that the hallway had to be clear because Christina Aguilera Aguilera was walking through. And it was like this whole production when Christina Aguilera came through. Mind you, this, Jessica Simpson had like a cute run of about five or six years. I'm saying like 
maybe 99 to 2004-2005 overlapped with Aguilera overlapped with Britney Spears but y'all didn't really speak of her in the same breath I mean y'all are clowning her down to the TikTok and I've mentioned that on the podcast but again it's like so many people are having these different experiences or exposure of Christina Aguilera and to this day watching some of her interviews whether it's like late night with Jimmy Kimmel or uh, Jimmy Fallon or with Andy Cohen um, it's just the the bitchy energy I feel through the TV is still there. It's just something about what she gives off. And it's like, that's odd. Because during that genie in the bottle phase and that stripped phase, like, Christina Aguilera was on. And it's like, everybody loves stripped. Back to Basics is my album. You know, it's just, it muddies the vibe and the, like, allure when you have bitchy energy that coexists with an amazing voice, above average material, and, you know, this catalog where it's diverse, no two albums sound the same, and, you know, the theatrics with the moving of the hands. And then you get these stories and it's like, she really thought she was Shirley Bassey or or Celine Dion or Cher or Madonna. It's like, at some level, some people do kind of get a pass because they have the catalog to back it up. And then there are cases where some people, first thing they do is run to the media with a particular narrative. Oh, this celebrity was rude to me. And it's like, some people are allowed to have bad days. But also, Mr. Fox, the I Refuse podcast is like, what was your role? What did, what did you do? You know, people... You know, in this trend, one of these trends like the cherry pick facts and cherry pick, you know, oh, I was just standing there or I was just, I was just pray for them and this and that. What were you doing? I'll get into that later. But the way y'all get up on here, y'all trying to make it worse and it's not even that deep. Questioning Pink about her comments, causing Pink to come out of her bubble and address y'all. And Pink continues to revere Christina, you know, alluding to the fact that that song wouldn't have been possible without Christina. Like, y'all gotta have y'all critical thinking get in touch with that you know set aside your 
your personal reverence and your personal allegiance to a particular artist and their voice with the reality that I can tell the truth and it not be shade. Like, I have my experience with a particular person and my experience during production and all that other stuff. And it's absolutely privy to information because y'all weren't there and y'all can't take it. It's, it's not that personal. Like, you know, we up here selling records and making music videos and selling baked goods and shit. But see, y'all are only here for the drama and not the, the tribulations. Y'all are weird out here. So moving right along. America, America has a problem. This trend that y'all are making so popular. No, it's 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 twofold. Like, y'all have seen how people run the social media, whether it's Facebook or Twitter, right? To present either by way of screenshot or by way of a personal experience they had with a celebrity. That's the draw right um some of those are pretty eye-opening and they and they do it in a way to where they don't say the person by name but there are certain aspects about that person it's like oh like for example i was on tiktok during the first season of the panasonic and it was a girl sh- telling her story, this experience as a bartender in a New York club or a hotel or something. She was she was working at a hotel. I think it was it's a little hazy. No, it was it was Vegas. Sorry, it was it was Las Vegas. She got. A notification that a celebrity couple was needed some assistance in their hotel room. He is a married couple at the time. He is what a B-list, C-list actor, tall, good-looking, model, modelish features. She. A pop singer, part of was part of a hip hop group. Um, at that time, she was glamorous, and he was <laughs> so anyway. She gets up to the room and they're both complimentary and she, you know, is helping them out with stuff. They said that there was like an issue with like a fixture or the shower head. Something 
something that could have been credible and escalation worthy. So she's walking through and they're both casually doing coke. There's like white powder all over the table. It's it's like bags of this shit. And they would like her to join in. I knew instantly who the fuck she was talking about. I was like, that that sounds like it's it's on brand. You know, old girl has had a a rocky history with drugs. And at some point looking back during his career in the so in the few things I've seen him in, like the thing about drugs is like whether it's cocaine or oh or meth or even steroids right is that even if you're doing that shit recreationally not that much in relation to a lot of other folks that shit's still in your body and all that shit that you're putting in your body starts to suck the youth ages you and he had been looking a little like I hadn't seen him and stuff in a while and I saw him in the Taco Bell commercials I was like oh like weren't you on your way in the upper, other direction at one point like ascending now you're doing the Taco Bell commercials when they were doing the um when they first released the fries and he was looking particularly aged like he hadn't slept in a while he still looked good I mean he could still fold me to this day but not he wasn't like Tad Hamilton fine but it was like I know you're in your 40s but damn like hard just saying so anyway I was down on a little TikTok, right? Minding my business this weekend. And like I said, you know, the trend these days is the 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 rude celebrity. And some of them were pretty good. And I know a lot of y'all out here that want to hop on these trends, any trend involving another person. Don't are aware of the law that is libel. Some of y'all can't afford a charge, but apparently can afford to run your mouth. Anyway, happened across on my For You page, the story time that involved a woman who is now probably in her 40s or 50s, who stitched uh, the Root Celebrity sound to talk about her ex- her experience with a celebrity when she was what 12 13 14 years old her and her mom took the train to New York City to see a Broadway play two trains out of Saskatchewan or I it 
it was it was like a black play by um, not Tennessee Williams, but uh, the name of the black Tennessee Williams is not even black, but it was was it Gordon Park a Gordon Parks thing? I don't know, but it was it was a Negro play, Negro cast, yada 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 yada. So this was the mid eighties. Mid to late 80s. She went to go see this Broadway play with her mom. After the play was over, they got the opportunity to go backstage to, I guess, meet and greet with the cast and the production and all that other stuff. The lady who was a 13, 14-year-old girl at the time had a camera in her on her. Decides to take the camera out and without permission, without consent, I guess in her excitement at seeing an actor, this actor, this particular actor, starts taking photos. Just just photos. And this particular actor turned around and she said, she used the word bellows. <laughs> like... This guy was a bull and she was a Fabergé egg or some shit. Said the guy bellows at her. Says, do not take photos. You do not have permission to take photos. I guess in her story time to play it up, she she must have felt some kind of way about that. But that's not where it stops. She goes on in her story time, not only to remind us of how old she was at that time after he bellowed and admonished her publicly. <clears throat> goes on to say that his assistant at the time calls him by his, I guess, nickname, which is different from the professional name that we know him now. these days which caused this guy to go off on the assistant in front of everybody so he says to her my name is Lawrence not Larry so I thought okay no big deal so, but apparently this is a running thing with, if by now you haven't noticed, the actor is Lawrence Fishburne. But, you know, aside from the the comments in the TikTok and in the, the Twitter posts that shared the, the TikTok posts, you know, people like to, for whatever reason, play up this narrative that... You know, it's it's no secret that Broadway actors are divas and how dare he act like that to you like he's some big deal. He didn't have that many movies and this is pre what's love got to do with it. Who did he think he was and all this other stuff. And my thing is this. Y'all like to get up on the soapbox and, and preach about boundaries and, you know, 
self-care first and you know respect and consideration for all yeah when it's in your favor my thing was and i and i said something in in the twitter comment section which you know that started a whole conversation amongst other people under my comments and by that point you're arguing with yourself that y'all come into people's jobs it so it's this level of expect expectation and entitlement for me like it doesn't matter if boys in the hood had been out for a while or if if it was pre boys in the hood and it was after cornbread earl and me and king of new york or whatever like y'all Clearly, y'all haven't been to Broadway plays. Like, that is sacred and sensitive ground for people. Y'all know artists are sensitive, right? Sensitive about their shit. And it's like, you... Coming backstage, and you taking photos of people, and y'all taking videos at people's, you know, of people at their job. Y'all are a trip. And it's like, why was she so eager and excited? You know to begin with if he if people honestly felt like he wasn't a big deal a a big enough deal to be acting like that and yes okay you you were 13 14 years old you were not above being told in a particular way to respect people's boundaries not to take photos you didn't have permission and if a person that's a boundary and if a person that hires you to be their assistant you know you're probably aware that they do not like that either directly or indirectly you've witnessed somebody else try and they just it's just a thing like, it probably doesn't matter much to you, but it means a lot to them. <clears throat> and then you take your ass four decades later to social media to talk about, to recall this story in a way to make a celebrity feel look bad. Like, y'all gotta learn the distinction between being rude and placing a boundary. Like, I could see if he cussed you out as a 13 when you were 13 14 years old he physically brandished you or even said something you didn't like like it really hurt you some kind of way i said something to the effect in the twitter comments where i was just like maybe i was reared differently but like as a child or even now 
It's like I don't play with other adults' names like that. Like, especially if you are aware the person doesn't like it. My name is Lawrence, not Larry. Okay. And you go on about your day. Like, girl, you was holding on to that for 40 years. And that was that's not even rudeness. Like, rudeness is when somebody, like, escalates it in a threatening way or an intimidating way. You were just told not to take photos. You felt some kind of way about that, still to this day. And a situation between him and the people he hired over, you know, what his name, like his name is Lawrence. Cameron, you know, in the comment sections, Cameron, um, somebody uploaded a clip of Cameron telling a similar experience in an airport where him and his, his posse crossed paths with uh, Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> and apparently this is some kind of like inside thing that has traveled because Cameron tried tried Lawrence Fishburne in the airport and was like hey yo Larry Lawrence Fishburne turns around with this look on his face like what did you call me Cameron's like, hey, yo, Larry, that's your name. Your name is Larry. Hilarious. Cameron ignorant as fuck. That's what I love. It's like, I'm not scared. But it's like, is it really that big of a deal? Now, of course, I made my comment in the Twitter section and the creator of the TikTok joined the conversation and was like, our rearings aren't different. Your listening is different. Like, I clearly worded it in a way to where the respect and boundary thing, whether you're a kid or an adult, applies. But girlfriend was clearly clearly pressed like a panini panera sandwich to get up in the comment section after posting that TikTok video probably expecting all of us to get on board and be like nah this isn't going how you think it's going like y'all really post like grinder screenshots and get get these little story times together to talk about celebrities and it's like Y'all not even of that world. Clearly, I have not been to enough Broadway plays. To where it's just like, is it really that big of a deal, girl? Move right along. Come outside, we won't jump you. You know, come outside, NBA. 
congratulations to Mac McLong for winning the dunk contest, the 2023 dunk contest. But that's not why we're here. We're not here for the slam dunk contest. We're not here to come at Mac's neck. He does it like a Mac. This is strictly for the NBA to come outside and tell us why do y'all keep giving Carl Malone, Malone shine? Like, I don't, when it comes to like slam dunking, let's just, let's just start there. When it comes to slam dunking, Carl Malone doesn't come to the forefront of my mind. Like Jordan comes to my mind. Maybe uh, Charles Barkley, maybe Dennis Rodman. Um, Shaq, maybe. He's just big and tall. Carl uh, Malone. And on top of that, given the, the unearthing of this thing that the NBA just somehow refuses to acknowledge or possibly doesn't see. Carl Malone's creep, 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 tendencies. Not only that, Word on the curb is that Carl the Postman Malone, when he was 20 years old, got a 12-year-old pregnant. Now, the lady had a son in 1982-1984 when Carl was 20 and she was 13. Now, the son whose name is Demetrius Bell. Mother Gloria was 13 when she had him. Carl Malone, not present, not supportive, not active in his son's life, refuses to even acknowledge. Even though long time ago it was proven, like he even denied like the son was his or he was the father DNA comes back that it is his son Demetrius Bell is his son right on top of that 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 was pre-NBA post and like during his NBA time you know behind the shine and the glow on the court you know the main reason why the lineup of Shaq, Kobe, and Carl Malone didn't work um, for the LA Lakers during you know the prime is because of some tasteless comments that Carl Malone made, either directed at Kobe's wife Vanessa or in her presence. So the story goes that while they were at the Staples Center, either in the stands or the skybox, Carl Malone had on a cowboy hat 
and cowboy boots. And at the time, Kobe and Vanessa were really good friends with Carl Malone and I believe his wife or girlfriend or fiance at the time. So Vanessa felt comfortable enough to inquire why does Carmel to Carmel on why the cowboy hat and these boots like hey cowboy what are you hunting in which Carl responds I'm on the hunt for some Mexican girls Vanessa's part Mexican jeepers Carl huge creep alert didn't say Mexican women first of all to put the word hunt and the the name of a large marginalized group in the same in the same sentence like sir and he didn't say women he said girls sir what the John Wayne Gacy is going on? Um, you know, when I started the I Refuse podcast, like putting it together and, you know, the purpose and the objective and the meaning behind the title of the podcast, it's from the attitude of like refusing to jump on bandwagons and play the malignment game with some folks. Because again, Liable is a winnable lawsuit. Every once in a while, some shit you just can't is irrefutable. Like, you know, you could have an opinion, you can stir the pot and piggyback off of another person's opinion about a particular person. But one thing... That remains the same even if the story changes. Commensurate with who is around. There's no getting past you having a whole adult son out here. And we know math. And we know it pretty well. Like, your son is my age. You are in your early 60s, and people got the internet, and people are going to know his mom's age. They're going to know that she is only 12 or 13 years older than he is, is 12 or 13 years older than her own son. Right. So, a couple more things. And I'm going to get up on here and give a little story time to round out the episode. My boo thing and I decided we were going to go to breakfast on the holiday that we just had. Decided I'd wear my Tears for Fear shirt. T.S. Fears is one of my favorite bands from the 80s. Shirt that I bought from their show last year. 
they I believe they're still on tour in support of their latest album, The Tipping Point, which by the way, go listen to that album. It's a great album. First album with the original lineup in almost thirty years. Anyway, decided I wear the shirt to the local restaurant for breakfast and towards the end of the meal. One of the waitresses who is familiar with our faces compliments the shirt that I have on and decides to say, Oh, cool shirt. I like your shirt. When my dad dot, 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 dot. It was at this moment, one of few that decides to be a tradition at this point, that makes me feel old. Glorious moment. You know, that opened up a whole conversation about how children we have held when we were in middle school are now almost 30. Girls that were pregnant senior year now have kids in college. Girls that I've worked with who had like fifth graders when we were working together now have 18-year-old sons in sports, seniors in high school. And I'm just like, at this point, do any of my listeners out here have WD-40 for my knees? I just need to know. I just need to know if any of y'all can spare some WD-40 and slide me some oil because I'm clearly Nipsey Russell from The Wiz. Just raggedy. Just my knees and elbows and joints just are just so over it at this point. So before I get up out of here, a couple more things. You know, every week I'm on Twitter, it's a different set of emotions going on. I hate when I see a blind item that I know exactly who they're talking about. Like, I went down to the Little Bird app. I hate that when I saw the tweet that said, it's disappointing to see such a talented singer drop a new album and have it sound exactly the same as all the songs in the last four they released. Hate that I instantly knew upon reading that tweet that the person that Captain Captain Chris I I, his handle Twitter handle escapes me that I knew that he was talking about Pink. You know Alicia Girl it's not too late to do an R&B album and do a Mary J. Blige tribute album. Because, I mean, not for nothing. I haven't bought a Pink album since The Truth About Love. Like, some of the songs on that album, oh, so good. Like, I have no problem. As somebody that has been a Pink fan since Can't Take Me Home, y'all ain't discussing that album enough for me. And I know a lot of y'all hate that she had to do the pop rock thing. You know, it's it's about numbers, people. 
But she can definitely get back into the R&B thing and clear. Um, Part of her story is that she went to a... Before the record industry, she went to a Philly... A Philly club when she was like all of about 16, 17 years old. A black Philly club. It was open mic night, I believe. Alicia Moore, a.k.a. Pink, got up on stage. And it was like almost like an eight mile type of situation where it was just like the sole white person around a bunch of black people. Gets up on stage and decides she wants to sing a Mary J. Blige song. Real Love by Mary J. Blige. And killed it. Now, to this day, you know, she's poppier than pop right now. And I get it. She has a contract to fulfill. And she really wasn't, even though she killed that debut album, like, that's one of my favorite albums. It wasn't necessarily her thing, she says. But she could still killer right now with an RB album because she just has the voice for it and she loves Mary J. Blige I feel like she is like the long distant second or third removed cousin of Mary J. Blige because it's in the voice one last thing in reference to this bird app to the person that retweeted that photo of Smokey Robinson and his wife referred to them as two fitted sheets hell is hot for you now go look for go on twitter and look for that smoky for that photo it's a it's a very professional high production overproduced photo of Smokey Robinson with his current wife that it's clear that they both have had numerous lunchtime visits and somebody had the audacity during Black History Month of all times to retweet the photo and said, hmm, two fitted sheets. It was at that point that I logged off of Twitter and laid down and I haven't been back up since. This is Mr. Fox of the I Refuse Podcast. I'm getting up out of here for right now. I hope y'all can behave. I really would like it to go one day without any nonsense. But one can hope. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the I Refuse Podcast. We do have a Twitter at I Refuse Podcast. Be sure to continue to support the I Refuse Podcast, the I Refuse Podcast After Dark, and my personal favorite, The Usual Suspects. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, Overcast, iHeartRadio. We have a WordPress blog. We also have an Instagram. I Refuse Podcast underscore between the words. Um, Stay moisturized, drink your water, keep your scalps grease, stay bundled up, try not to end up in jail, and um, we will catch you guys later.